0: Good afternoon, everyone. Let me introduce uh, people who join me, my colleagues today. To my right, Mr. Gareth Rhodes, who has been working on the COVID task force since we began. To my left, a person who needs no introduction, uh, our great Lieutenant Governor, Kathy Hochul, who's been doing a fantastic job, Mm -hmm. not just with COVID, but with uh, everything. Uh, And I thank her very much for uh, all her great work and Gareth and Kathy will help me answer all the tough questions that uh, I don't know the answers to. Uh, It's a pleasure to be at Roswell Park today and I want to thank Dr. Candace Johnson for their hospitality here at Roswell. It's always a pleasure to be here uh, and talk about great work and life-saving work. Uh, Congratulations to all the people at Roswell. Let's give you an update as to where we are. Day 331 groundhog day but a little different overall positivity 5.47 statewide deaths 167 that's always the most difficult number in this presentation and that's 167 lives that's 167 families it's 167 wives and daughters and sons and husbands, and they were in our thoughts and prayers. Hospitalization up 117, ICUs down 5, intubations plus 8. If you look across the state at uh, the hospitalization rate, uh, percentage of population hospitalized by region. You see it's uh, Long Island and Finger Lakes once again. Highest positivity is Long Island. Within New York City, it's the Bronx and uh, the Finger Lakes, which has made some progress over the past couple of weeks, but the Finger Lakes is still an issue for us. Uh, Long Island is an issue, and uh, the Bronx in New York City uh, is an issue. So we're gonna be focusing on those three areas. We're working on three tracks simultaneously, if you will. First, keep the spread down, control COVID. That's obviously the national priority. Second, vaccinate New Yorkers. And third, get on with life. Rebuild the economy. Get back to work. Uh, This is unsustainable, this situation that we're in. It was never a choice between public health and reopening the economy. You have to do both, but you have to do it intelligently. On controlling the COVID spread, the good news is the number is down. Uh, And it has been... Uh, continuing uh, to decline. You look at our high point, we're at 7.9. That's in the beginning of January. We're now down to about 5.85. Uh, that then tracks to the hospitalization rate, right? These are all connected. Infection rate, a few days later, a person goes into the hospital, so they call the hospitalization lagging indicator but the number of people being hospitalized has gone down. You see this is true all across the state. These are the curves in different regions. I know they look like scribble from a fourth grader, but they're actually the curve in each region, a little different in each region, but uh, overall every region you see on the decline, some areas faster than others. Uh, One of the most important numbers, we don't talk about it every day is the rate of transmission what they call the RT rate this is uh, for every person who is infected how many people do they infect and you can see uh, at our high point, one person was infecting two and a half other people they say anything over one the virus is out of control when one person is infecting more than one other person and uh, ideally you want to be under one and that's where we are uh, right now but it's been a bumpy ride to get here the projection models done by the uh, quote-unquote experts in the field show New York's positivity rate continuing to decline so not only are we on the way down, but the experts tell us that they believe that's going to continue, so that's good news also. Uh, In western New York, we also see the uh, same basic pattern. Positivity is down. December 25th, uh, Christmas week, big socialization week, and you see the numbers go up, and then Uh, you see them coming down towards the end of January. Positivity in Erie County was 8.6. It's down to 5.2, and it's been on decline for three weeks. You also see the hospitalization number on decline, so that is also good. Uh, We wish nobody went into the hospital, but it's good to see that number dropping as well. And uh, we have a... Hospital capacity of about 48% in Erie County, and that's very good because remember, the nightmare scenario is hospitals run out of capacity, and then you have to shut down. So 48% capacity is very good. We talked about this, uh, and actually what we talked about happened. We talked about the holiday spike. We started talking about it. At Thanksgiving time. Because Thanksgiving really is the kickoff of holiday season, right? You go to Thanksgiving, the next day is Black Friday, everybody starts shopping, and you go Thanksgiving, Christmas party, meet me for a drink, celebration, into Christmas, into Hanukkah, into Kwanzaa, now it's New Year's Eve, now it's New Year's Day, and that's all increased social activity. We were saying celebrate smart, celebrate smart, celebrate smart. But just the increased social activity, we were afraid you were gonna see a spike. And uh, we said, wear a mask, celebrate. Lord knows it was a terrible year, but celebrate smartly. And we saw that holiday spike. Uh, We said, we hoped the spike would end after January 1, when people stopped socializing as much, and then you start to see a trail off. And we talked about mid-January and late January, where we would see the spike dropping. And that's right where we are, frankly. Uh, We're seeing that spike come down. That's the positivity numbers down, and the hospitalization numbers down. So now we can start making adjustments, right? Uh, I talk about open the valve, close the valve, when the positivity is down and the hospitalization rate is down uh, and the infection rate is down and the RT rate is down, then you can increase economic activity. And uh, we're through that holiday period. By the way, other states uh, had a much higher rate of infection during the holiday period. I believe New Yorkers were smart about it the increased activity was going to raise the rate, but I think they were smart about it, and I think that's why you've seen the positivity rate did not go up the way it did in uh, other states. But I think we're at a new place now, and we can start to adjust that valve uh, and start to open up more economic uh, activity and reduce some of the restrictions uh, and uh, Reduce some of the what we call microcluster zones, orange zones, et cetera, and we're going to be talking more about that in the coming days. Department of Health is going through that right now, uh, but for example, elective surgeries had been stopped in Erie County because we wanted to make sure we had enough hospital capacity for that spike uh, that we now feel com- feel comfortable about. Elective surgeries can start. Once again in Erie County. And as I said, we're going to have some more adjustments over the next couple of days. But don't get cocky with COVID. It's a great quote. I don't know if it's a great quote, it's my quote. Don't get cocky with COVID. This beast changes on us all the time. And you can watch TV news all day long and not really know what's going on, because I don't know that anybody really knows what's happening with the COVID virus. Uh, We were told the UK strain was more transmittable, but it wasn't more dangerous. Now they're rethinking that. We were told the South Africa strain um, uh, might be more transmittable, but the vaccine worked. Now they're saying we're not so sure about that. They're now talking about a California strain that developed in California uh, that is a variant of the UK strain. So don't get cocky with COVID. This virus has been ahead of us every step of the way. You know there are certain things to do that are smart. Uh, You know this is a changing situation. Socially distance, wash your hands, wear a mask, be smart. I know it's been a long time, uh, but, uh, and I know the numbers look good today, but we have been down this road before. And the road has curves, and the road has potholes. So please uh, just be smart. Second is on the vaccination front. We did over 1.5 million uh, vaccinations. Over 91% of the vaccine we've received has been put in arms. And that's a great number. Uh, And I congratulate uh, all the providers who are involved in doing this. when we say uh, we run where 91% people say oh a uh, few more percent and they're out we don't run out of vaccine we get a weekly allocation from the federal government and it goes week to week when we say we've used 91% of our vaccine that means we've used 91% of all the vaccine that we have received to date uh, and then they start with a shipment every week from Washington. The shipment for week seven starts arriving tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. It arrives throughout the week uh, because literally it's delivered, it's mailed, FedEx, etc. So uh, it arrives at different times. We have told the local governments 100 times, don't schedule An appointment, unless you have a specific allocation. For people who took their first dose, you will get the second dose. The federal government protects that second dose allocation. Uh, So don't worry about 91% will I get my second dose. You will get your second dose. Uh, And if you have a scheduled appointment, that appointment will be fulfilled from the allocation that we're receiving this week but we are going week to week in terms of uh, the allocation. And again, that will start uh, tomorrow. So the issue with the vaccination plan is the supply. It's how much vaccine we are getting. We were getting about 300,000 doses per week. Uh, Last couple of weeks, we got 250,000. This week, seven, the incoming allocation is 250,000. But uh, we are ready for uh, distribution of the vaccine in a much larger quantity. We have 3,000 distribution sites, 3,000 providers already signed up. So we can get the needle in the arm. We just need the supply itself, Uh, but between The National Guard at mass vaccination sites, which are probably uh, the most effective way to do volume, uh, we have mass vaccination sites that could do 10,000 a day per site. Um, So we can can literally do millions of doses. It is a national supply issue. And again, this is not a New York issue. It's a problem uh, all across the country. It's a problem all across the globe. Every country is trying to get more vaccine. Uh, So that's the situation we're in. It's also, this whole COVID situation has been an eye-opener for Americans, and I hope they take it to heart. We've talked for a lot of years about public health. There are great institutions dedicated to public health. There are great public health professors, Uh, people dedicate their lives to being public health experts. But uh, what we neglected to do as a nation was invest the money we needed to invest in actually having an operational public health system. It's not just about studying it. It's not the academic. It's not the theoretical. It's the operational. It is the practical. That's where this country fell down. You have to be able to do the screening. You have to be able to do millions of tests. You can't run out of Q-tips. Nasal swabs, which is, was the reason why you couldn't do testing. A nasal swab is a big Q-tip. Uh, you can't run out of ventilators. Uh, you have to have this vaccination capacity set up. You have to have the contact tracing capacity set up. You have to have the quarantine facilities set up before. You have to have a communication plan where people get factual information so they don't have the same uh, level of anxiety that people went through this last time. Uh, That's all the operational capacity, and it's expensive. But plans alone are not enough If you can't implement them, and you can't implement them to scale, you can do a desktop exercise. This is theoretically how I would do it. Yeah, and then COVID happens. And it's bigger, and it's better than you expected, and we didn't have the operational capacity. Uh, New York State is using the opportunity to put in what I believe is going to be the best public health operation Uh, in the United States, of any state. We have a surge and flex management system that now manages all hospitals statewide on how to handle a surge capacity, never done before. Uh, PPE stockpiles, you can't run out of N95 masks. We're setting up 1,000 people who are just public health core trained experts to work with communities across the country. We're going to train citizens, uh, free online training, to be ready for the next public health emergency so you can volunteer in your community and also inform yourself so you know how to help your family and your children, what advice you should be giving. Uh, Cornell University is doing that curriculum. I'm very excited about that. We're going to train all the National Guard to be public health emergency responders you have to be able to test people coming in at the borders. It can't be you landed JFK Airport or Buffalo Airport, uh, and they check your fruit at customs, but you can walk in with a virus. I mean, uh, we have to have that screening capacity. We're setting up the quarantine facilities. Uh, We didn't have enough lab testing capacity in this country to do the number of COVID tests we needed to do. We didn't have any contact tracing capacity. We had plans for all of this, uh, but no actual capacity to do it. So uh, we've all learned. The Biden administration, uh, I believe, gets it. And I believe they take public health seriously. And just in the past few days, you've seen a big difference. Uh, And they've taken actions that I think were long overdue. I think the mask mandate was long overdue. New York state was the first state to pass a mask mandate. Uh, it saved countless lives. Uh, they communicate factually. Let the experts speak and give people information because when people don't get accurate information, uh, they are more nervous about the situation. Uh, they're increasing production of the vaccine. and. They're going to give states projection allocations so states can plan. Right now, we go week to week, and we don't know what we're going to get next week. So I can't tell Erie County what we're going to get next week. So they don't know what to schedule. Uh, And uh, every week, you get a new number, and then you have to figure out how to allocate that number, how to plan that number. There's there's no operational intelligence to this. Uh, And uh, I believe the uh, White House is working on that. Uh, We're gonna have a call tomorrow with the governors, uh, with uh, people from the White House to talk about these issues. But we've already had many conversations. The head of the COVID task force uh, is a real pro named uh, Jeff Zients. Uh, i 've been talking with him. Our secretary, Melissa de Rosa, is uh, actually on the committee that is uh, working to uh, operationalize this. So uh, I think it 's going to be uh, better and smoother. you 're still going to have the fundamental issue of an international shortage of vaccine. But hopefully Johnson and Johnson gets approved in a couple of weeks. That would increase supply. Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, Pfizer and Moderna, which are the two big manufacturers now, uh, increase supply. In the interim, the top priority on vaccination was healthcare workers. We're at Roswell today. Um, you want to have hospital capacity, you want to make sure the hospitals don't reach their capacity limit. We've seen that in California. We've seen that in Italy. Uh, When that happens, people die unnecessarily. They die because they couldn't get into a hospital. Um, If you ask the hospitals across the state now, what is your main capacity issue? When you say capacity, what do you mean? They have the beds, and they have the equipment. They're worried about staff shortages. They're worried about nurse shortages, uh, healthcare professional shortages, staff shortages. Why? Because they have staff getting sick. So top priority was vaccinate the healthcare staff, right? Vaccinate the nurses and the doctors so they are healthy and they can provide medical treatment. Uh, We've remained focused on that priority. That was the top priority for the vaccine. That was what they called 1A. Then it was supposed to be essential workers, then older Americans, older New Yorkers. But 1A, the top priority was always the healthcare care workers. Uh, we have focused on it. I've said to hospitals all across the state numerous times personally uh, in these briefings, you have to vaccinate your employees first. Uh, and uh, it was initially a problem. But the focus uh, has worked. We were at 63% last Monday of healthcare workers vaccinated. One week later, we're at 72%. So that is a huge improvement. 70 to 90 was the range for herd immunity, right? That was the goal for the vaccine. So we wanted healthcare workers to be above 70%. And in one week, we went up uh, from 63 to 72. So um, I, I applaud the hospitals. Um, I know we literally uh, said what the percentage of hospitals was across the state. I think that got their attention. Uh, but it made a big difference. There is still a variance among hospitals that we have never gotten a good explanation for. So while we're above 70 across the state, you still have hospitals that are lower, and we need the local governments to focus on it. Uh, There are over 200 hospitals statewide. Uh, I can't call every hospital, and our State Department of Health can't call every hospital and work out local issues, but county governments, uh, mayors, please. Uh, you know what hospitals are at what percent, congratulate the high performers and ask the people uh, who are at a lower level what help they need to get their percentage up because the variance is too great. Uh, And there is, uh, even if you look at uh, regions within the region, you see a variance. It's not like you can say, well, Western New York is different than the Capital District. Within the region, there's a big difference. Uh, And again, uh, I want the county executives uh, and supervisors and mayors to really focus on this. But Capital Region, 85.5% at Albany Medical Center, down to 72 is the low. So it's 85 to 72 in the Capital Region. Central New York, it's 98 to 65. Uh, Finger Lakes, it's 85 to 48, right? Long Island, you go from 100% Syosset Hospital, 97% Plainview, to 51, St. Catherine, 53, St. Francis. Uh, why? Why, is, uh, why does it drop by 50%? Uh, Mid-Hudson, you go from 93 to 40, right? Uh, why? Uh, why is Northern Duchess Hospital, St. Luke's, Health Alliance Hospital, what's the differential among these hospitals? There are going to be a certain percentage of healthcare care workers who say, I don't want to take the vaccine. I get that. But why within the region do you have such a disparity? Uh, Mohawk Valley, 89 to 42. New York City. 100, Lenox Hill. 100, Staten Island University. 99, uh, New York City Health and Hospital, Woodhull. But New York City Health and Hospital, Harlem, 37. 38. How? Why? Uh, We'd like to see everyone as high as possible. I understand, again, there will be a certain percent that refuses. Fine. That's their right. But why do some hospitals have 100 and others have half that amount? Um, Western New York, Roswell Park, 88, all high, highest number in Western New York. Congratulations again, Roswell Park. Uh, so 12% didn't have it. My guess is 12% said, I don't want to take it. But then uh, why do you get to Children's Hospital at 42%? So uh, that's for the local governments. But overall, we've made great progress. The vaccine is scarce, so it's important that we're fair in the distribution. Uh, and this is how we distribute it. If you look at who's now eligible, healthcare workers are eligible. That's what we just talked about. Essential workers, police, fire, teachers, public safety, they're eligible. And then 65 plus. If you look at the numbers, healthcare workers are 1.3 million. Essential workers, 1.7 million, 65 plus, 3.2. So, of the eligible population, 21% from when we get an allocation, 21% goes to the healthcare workers, 27% goes to the essential workers, 52% goes to 65 plus. The way we do that is by giving it to providers who are supposed to be prioritizing that population, right? Uh, the essential workers are being done by City Department of Health, County Department of Health. Healthcare workers are being done by the hospitals, FQHCs, 65-plus by the pharmacies and the mass distribution sites. If the providers don't follow their provi- prioritization, then you won't get a fair allocation. If the pharmacies uh, use their vaccine for police, fire, et cetera, then the 65-plus won't get a fair allocation. So everybody wants it. Uh, I want it, but it has to be fair. And providers, please don't schedule an appointment unless you have a specific allocation. I'm the former attorney general. I said a few weeks ago, you're going to see scams on the vaccine. You have a high demand for the product. You will see scam artists, uh, and you will see fraud. I guarantee it. We've already seen it. Uh, And there are a number of situations that we're looking at. If you get an offer that sounds too good to be true, uh, 833-VAX-SCAM. Everyone wants it, but... Uh, beware of fraudsters. Third priority is rebuild the economy. First step, we need Congress to repeal SALT. It sounds technical. People don't understand what it means. It was federal law that passed that ended the deductibility of state and local taxes. It was the first double taxation in the nation's history. Federal government taxes... The tax that you pay to the county or the city or the state. Federal government government now taxes what you pay in property taxes. So you pay $4,000 in property taxes. The federal government now taxes that $4,000. Whereas up until now, you deducted that from your federal income. They now tax your property taxes. First time in history. They did this three years ago. Everyone said it was unfair, it was partisan, it was political, it was terrible. It costs, on average, $2,600 for New York taxpayers. Everyone said they would repeal it. They now are in a leadership position. Repeal it. Uh, That will be a big deal for the state of New York. Second, what they call state and local financing. The state has a very big deficit. If I have a deficit, we have to cut. If we cut, we have to lay off essential workers. We don't want to do that in the middle of a pandemic. We have a $15 billion cost from the COVID crisis. That's what Washington has to help this state and every state with. And that is uh, number two. And number three, which is part of rebuilding the economy, but people don't often think of it this way, is public safety, especially in our urban areas. You want businesses to grow. You want people to move in. Public safety is essential. And uh, this is also a national crisis. I said months ago, I understand the tensions from the community. I understand the tensions from the police. I've seen the demonstrations. We've all seen the demonstrations. But we have to work through these tensions because you need public safety. You need a relationship of trust and respect between the community and the police and the police and the community. Trust is a door that swings both ways. And uh, we have 500 localities with police departments in this state. I said, work with your police, with your community, work through the issues, and come up with a plan that your community accepts by April 1. Uh, and if not, April 1 is when we, get, we pass the state budget. That locality won't be included. I understand it's a difficult issue, but in life, the problems you ignore do not go away. Those problems mount It's true in an individual's life. It's true in a family's life. It's true in society. Uh, Some localities have done a great job. City of Buffalo is doing a great job. But they have to have a plan done in 66 days. It's a difficult issue. I get that it's a difficult issue. Police have strong feelings. I get it. Protesters and the community have strong feelings. I get it. I understand the problem. What's the solution? There has to be a solution, because you can't allow the tension between the police and the community to exist, right? Divorce is not an option here. Uh, One side feels this way, the other side feels that way. Yeah. Reconcile it or we get a divorce. We can't get a divorce because we need public safety. So we have to reconcile these feelings and these tensions. Uh, And we have to get it done quickly because you're not going to rebuild a city if people don't feel safe. Uh, Also, gratuitously, communities that have elections this year, if I'm running for a city position, if there's a mayoral election, this is a topic to discuss what is your plan and your vision to make public safety work in our city but it has to be addressed and it's community by community new york state is ready to go we're anxious to get on with the reopening and the rebuilding and We are poised like no other state in the nation. We know how to move. We know how to build. We know how to get things done. uh, And we have demonstrated that. And we have great plans that are just uh, already in the works. And when the federal government actually starts to move, we are going to be the first out of the box building a New York that is better than it has ever been before all across the state. And then last point, I want to thank the Buffalo Bills for a really great, great season. Uh, it's been many years before, since we uh, had the opportunity to watch a game like we watched uh, last night for the AFC championship. Uh, and they really did have a great season. Uh, A lot of great talent, a lot of great young talent, with a lot of promise for the future. But best of all is the way they played together as a team uh, and the way they supported each other. Uh, Even last night in the game, there was a couple of instances where uh, you saw how the team rallied together to protect each other uh, and defend one another. Uh, And it was beautiful to watch. Yes, we would have liked to have a different outcome, uh, but that does not diminish uh, the accomplishment that was uh, achieved by this team. Uh, And we thank all of them. Kim and Terry Pagula, they have been uh, beautiful to work with, uh, and they brought such pride to Buffalo. Uh, Coach McDermott, general manager, Brandon Bean, uh, We will work together to get fans in the stands uh, safely. Uh, And I know they appreciated that. And 7,000 fans cheered like 70,000 when they were in Buffalo. But that is the Buffalo way, right? And the Buffalo Bills, what's beautiful about them and beautiful about the relationship between the team and the city, the county, Western New York, really, uh, the team symbolizes Buffalo. There is no quit in Buffalo. There was no quit in Jim Kelly. There's still no quit in Jim Kelly. There's no quit in Thurman Thomas. There's no quit in Buffalo. Uh, Tim Russett was a beautiful friend of mine, passed away too young. There's no quit in Tim Russett. That's, that's Buffalo. That's the, new, that's the Buffalo spirit. That's the Buffalo Constitution. You know, they're not going to back down. They're not going to give up. And that's the essential quality in life. That's what resonates all across the nation about the Buffalo Bills. People have said it all different ways. Uh, Mark Twain, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog, right? Winston Churchill, never give up, never give up, never give up. That's the Buffalo Bills. That's Buffalo. Uh, And it's beautiful to see. To the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Mr. Mahomes, congratulations on a good game. Congratulations on the win. Uh, Not taking anything away from them at all. But uh, Mr. Mahomes, Kansas City, we will see you next year. And I will wager today that the outcome is going to be different. So let's get on with it, because we're New York tough, smart, united, disciplined, loving. Let's take a couple of questions.
1: Thank you, Governor. If you'd like to ask a question, please use the raise hand function at the bottom of your window. We'll take a brief moment to compile the Q&A roster. Governor, your first question comes from Chris Herbotitz from WIVB-TV. Chris, your line is open. Please unmute your microphone.
0: Hey, Governor, two questions for you. You indicated a few minutes ago that the state's ready to uh, start
1: loosening restrictions, and I know you said you'd have more information
0: in the coming days, but where might be the first areas we see that? And the second question is in
1: regards to the contact tracing that the state's been doing uh, for fans who are at some of the Bills' home playoff games. Uh, Have you identified any spread of the virus at uh, either of those two home games?
0: The uh, Thank you, Chris. Two questions. First, on the adjustments, we believe that we are at the end of the holiday spike period. Somebody spiked the punch? This was the holiday spike period. From the Increased celebrations, we believe it went up, we believe it came down, and we believe we're, we're seeing uh, a, a flattening and a reduction. The experts say that's what we should expect. Uh, my valve analogy, you watch the dials, watch the positivity rate, watch the hospitalization rate, watch the RT rate, When they're down, open up the valve, allow more economic activity through the pipes. Uh, I believe we're there. That's why we opened elective surgeries in Buffalo. Department of Health, which uh, ultimately makes these decisions, is reviewing the data that I just went through with you. Uh, The IHME model, which says uh, that's the Gates funded model that says uh, we're dropping the RT rate, et cetera. They're reviewing that uh, today. I believe we'll have announcements on Wednesday. Uh, But the situation is basically true all across the state. Um, Even Western New York, which was a problematic area for many, many weeks, uh, the numbers are much, much better in Western New York. So, And we are at the period of time where we uh, believe uh, those adjustments are sound. Again, don't get cocky with COVID because, God forbid, something happens with one of these new strains, U.K. strain, South African strain, Brazilian strain, California strain. Always be on guard, but react to the facts today is the best we can do. And uh, I'll have those announcements Wednesday, but it would be a statewide – there's no region that is extraordinary – in that regard. We have some areas that are a little higher than others, but nothing that is extraordinarily different. Uh, I don't believe we have found any spread from any of the uh, home games. Gareth will correct me if I'm wrong, Uh, but I don't believe we found any spread. Remember the way we did it? It was a demonstration of a model. had never been done before in the nation, by the way. Roughly 7,000 people. Everybody tested before they went into the game. So, uh, and then they socially distanced masks, et uh, And But you did it for 7,000 people. And I think that's an important key on reopening the economy. Uh, if you can test people in large venues like that and you don't see any spread afterwards, that's a heck of a model to replicate. We have the lieutenant governor with us, uh, and I want to just ask her if uh, she has any comments on this question, or uh, in general, because she's been living this with Western New York for the past few months. Governor.
2: Thank you, Governor, and first of all, thank you for acknowledging the, uh, the spirit of Buffalonians who've been down and out for most of our life, but uh, under your leadership, we thank you for seeing that resilient spirit that I also think is not just unique to Buffalo, I think this COVID pandemic in a sense has united us the way the Buffalo Bills united Western New Yorkers. And you've been a great quarterback, Governor, to help lead our team, New Yorkers, to a safer place and to ultimately a victory over COVID uh, when that beautiful day comes sometime in the future. Uh, It's been tough to live in these zones. I've been living in an orange zone uh, now since uh, the middle of November, but we totally understand it. And I have been out speaking to the media, helping them understand that the Governor forecast this spike We talked about what could happen after the holidays, and indeed in Buffalo, uh, the holidays didn't end January 1st because we went for weeks of playoff games, and that brought more people together. So it was very cautious and smart to wait and see what happens until these adjustments are made, but I would say this region's ready. We've worked very hard to get hospital capacity up. And that's the most important dynamic. We do not want to be those states you see on television or those countries you see on television where people are literally dying on gurneys in waiting rooms. And you've prevented that from happening, and I do believe that most New Yorkers understand uh, why you've done what you've done. And lastly, on the vaccinations, I have to tell you, Governor, it has been a pleasure to, even as recently as a couple hours ago here in Buffalo, at St. John Baptist Church, look into the eyes of people who have been vaccinated And they have this sense of relief, this sense that they're going to be okay. It's really beautiful to witness. And I've seen that from Jones Beach to the aqueduct to Binghamton to Rochester to Syracuse to Buffalo for our mass distribution sites. But now that we're getting into the communities directly, particularly communities of color, they understand how important it is. And I would say, lastly, that I was asked one of the questions was, Why are we diverting resources to go to one of these churches in a black community? The answer is, not only have they suffered the most, but they will also be the ambassadors to go back to their communities, go back to their churches, go back to their friends and family and say, I did this and I'm okay. Because someday will come when we have more than enough vaccine, just like we have more than enough tests. And that was a bumpy road to start as well. But we also know that this is going to take some time, but eventually we'll have more vaccines uh, than, than there's demand. And they will be trying to create that demand and overcome people's hesitation. So, Governor, I want to report back that uh, I think Western New York is in a good place, as is uh, the entire state. And, and it goes to you, our quarterback.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But I'll defer to Josh Allen on that one, because that is some talent, it really is. Next question.
1: Governor, your next question comes from Diane Caruso at News 12. Diane, your line is now open. Please unmute your microphone. Good afternoon, Governor. Thanks for taking my question. Um, Here at News 12, we understand that there are a few cases of the UK strain in Westchester. But would you please just explain exactly where they are, you know, specific municipalities, any location? Thank you.
0: Uh, Diane, I will, I'll refer that to the Department of Health. Uh, I don't know legally what they can say about that because there's health care privacy. So I don't want to uh, invade anyone's privacy uh, or violate any law, which would be a bad thing. So I'm going to refer that to uh, the Department of Health, and they'll have an answer forthwith. Do you know, Gareth, if we can say anything beyond Westchester?
1: I think that's all we can say for now, but we can certainly have the Department of Health follow up, as the governor said.
0: Next question, operator.
1: Next up, you have Andrew Siff from WNBC-TV. Andrew, your line is open. Please unmute your microphone. All right, we're going to come back to Andrew. Uh, Next up, we have Bart Jones from Newsday. Bart, your line is open. Please unmute your microphone.
0: Hi, Governor. Hey, Bart. Uh, A couple of questions. Um, How long do you expect us to remain in this 250,000 doses a week situation? Uh, Do you have any information from the Biden administration about that? Uh, You know, is this going to go on until April, or what is your best estimate on that? Uh, Secondly when do you think we will be able to achieve herd immunity here in New York? What is your best estimate on that? And, you know, being able to return to some state of uh, normalcy. And finally, you mentioned your concern about Long Island. What seems to be the problem there and what are they doing wrong? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, there's a lot there, Bart, but the, uh, Biden team has been in place just a few days, obviously. And, uh, I've, I've been working with them. As I said, uh, Melissa DeRosa, the secretary, uh, works with them on these issues. Uh, And I've worked with many of them uh, in years past. Many of them uh, were... I worked with uh, when I was in Washington. Uh, Jeff Zeinst is the head of the uh, COVID operation, and he's a real pro. They have a couple of initial things that they have to work through. Uh, Right now, a state gets... A weekly allocation, we get two fifty. I don't know what the next week allocation is, so I can't even plan. Why? I mean, why? Just that, even from a planning purpose, uh, why do we have to go week to week? There is there are two basic programs that operate. There's a separate uh, long term care facility program that gets a separate allocation. Um, Right now, we can't uh, mix between uh, allocations. Uh, Could states get that additional flexibility? Uh, The feds have said uh, you can't use second-dose allocations for the first dose, for good reasons, because if you use second-dose for the first dose and then you don't get the second dose, Now people have a nightmare scenario, which they actually talk to me about. Uh, I got a first dose, and then I can't get the second dose. Uh, I believe, uh, and then they have a national inventory control issue that they have to work through, because you have different states operating at different rates of vaccine usage. Uh, Our rate of vaccine usage is very high. So I'm out today, effectively. I'm waiting now for the vaccine. There are some states that are not out, and uh, that they're working on previous allocations. How does the uh, administration balance that nationwide? So it's complicated. Uh, I'm talking to them about it. We're going to have a meeting this tomorrow with all the governors, uh, and uh, Mr. Zients is going to be making certain announcements on that tomorrow. Uh, I'm the chairman of the National Governors Association, so I've been working to uh, coordinate that, and and we'll do that tomorrow. Um, But the the projections, uh, the expectations, uh, increasing the supply, I know that's number one, two, three on the COVID task force priority list. Uh, On the Long Island uh, positivity rate being higher, you know, in some ways, as complex as this is, as as simple as it is, it's personal behavior. We're not getting large clusters where you can say it was this, it was this concert, this party, this wedding. It's uh, just personal behavior and awareness uh, across the board. We're having conversations with uh, the large hospitals, the local elected officials, because we want a targeted strategy for Long Island. Uh, because it's not just, as you know, Bart, it's not just one week uh, or two weeks here. You've, you've seen the, this line going up. And if you watch those lines, they don't bend quickly anymore. They tend to follow the trajectory. Uh, So, I don't have a good single answer on what happens, uh, why it's going up in Long Island. Uh, But uh, give us a few days. Next question, operator.
1: Next up, we have Therese Loeb Cruiser from the Downtown Post, NYC. Therese, your line is open. Please unmute your microphone.
2: Thank you. Can you hear
0: me? Yes, I can.
2: Good. Hello there. Uh, I want to ask you about the 75-plus population, Governor. A lot of these people will have underlying medical conditions, and yet they're being instructed that when their time comes to go to a pharmacy or a mass vaccination site. I think a lot of them would be a lot more comfortable if they go to a hospital setting where, if anything untoward happened, they could get help. Do you have any comment about what you plan to do or might do with this population or indeed with anyone who has underlying medical conditions?
0: Well, it's it's a good question. What the Department of Health, Commissioner Zucker, is not here today, but the conversation has been uh, going into a hospital, uh, hospitals are not basically, are not equipped to be retail facilities, right? Uh, That's not what a hospital does. And we don't want people filling emergency rooms in hospitals to get a vaccine, uh, and and it's not their day-to-day business. And the health, the hospitals are working to vaccinate their nurses and doctors, which still has not been fully performed, and in many ways is a top priority. But if a person has an underlying uh, condition and is 75 plus. Uh, and has some reason why they think they may have a potentially bad reaction uh, to the vaccine, uh, then I would have them contact their doctor uh, and make arrangements uh, privately. uh, And that can be done also. Uh, At our mass vaccination sites, uh, we can also accommodate that because we have healthcare staff uh, on site. We have not seen... Uh, over one point five million dosages uh, we haven 't seen but a handful of adverse reactions, and they haven 't really been uh, age specific they 've been more uh, allergic reactions but uh, so i don 't know that there is a a cause for concern. Um, because they're not, they haven't been comorbidity or age-related reactions. But uh, I'm beyond my depth uh, in healthcare advice at that point. Operator, let's take one more.
1: Governor, your last question comes from Andrew Sit from wnbc TV. Andrew, please unmute your microphone. Good afternoon. Can you hear me now, Andrew, do you have technology issues? This
0: has happened before. This is a pattern of behavior, Andrew.
1: You know, that's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is I'm determined to get through (laughs) even when I have technology issues. And by the way, I lived in Buffalo for five years and still have family up there. Great place. So I just wanted to contribute that. My question has to do with loosening restrictions. You talked about... uh, more announcements this week, is one of the restrictions you're going to lift indoor dining in New York City? And if so, how soon might that take effect?
0: Yeah, we're we're focusing now on the micro cluster zones, Andrew, which are uh, yellow zones, orange zones. Uh, That's what we're focusing on. And that's what I was talking about. The indoor dining in New York City is a New York City specific uh, condition. And uh, we're not at this point, at this point, uh, contemplating any changes. Okay, Roswell Park, thank you very much for having us. I have my mask. Uh, I also have a hat because next year we're not going to need these masks anymore. Uh, So we're going to say go Bills in a different way, but I'm ready. Thank you.